Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Roses and Weeds, a City of Tyler podcast that explores the roses of great things happening in our community and gets into the weeds on any current event or issue we might want to talk about. My name is Sam Brady. I'm joined, as always, by Veronica Brady. Hi, everyone. It's so great to be here. Hi, Veronica. How's it going? Um, it's very wet and gross outside. Okay. So straight into the weather report. Straight into being the weather. Very consistent about that lately. Yeah. Um, the people want to know what the weather was on the day that we recorded. So <laughs> it's important that I put that out there. To the yeah. People's request. Exactly. Yeah, today's the sort of rain that you can not exactly feel on your skin because it's not like coming down mm-hmm. so much as it is just a mist all around. You can taste the rain in your mouth as you when you open it. It's as though you're a tiny little ant walking around in one of those bedroom humidifiers. That's a great way to say it. It's mucky. It's disgusting <laughs> and I hate it. Well, we have a guest that could, if we um, prompted him to, probably give us some context on the science that creates that weather that's all around us. Tell us us all about science. (laughs) Because we have a (laughs) guest that helps so many in this community explore and appreciate the science that goes into everything. We have a guest from the Discovery Science Place. Would you mind introducing yourself to the podcast today? Hello, guys. My name's Chris Rasher. I'm the executive director of the uh, Discovery Science Place in downtown Tyler. Hey, Chris. How's it going today? I'm doing great, except for the mucky weather. (laughs) Chris, Veronica and I and our kids are huge fans of the Discovery Science Place. Mm -hmm. It is so much fun. Uh, Eden, our daughter, loves the Discovery Science Place. She really wants to be a doctor. She always has from the first time she articulated what she wants to do. She's been very consistent about that. And she loves to get the white lab coat on and to explore that dream briefly whenever we go there. It's It's a true delight. She is 10. Oh, perfect age. Perfect age. Mm -hmm. So, So Chris, for people who might not be familiar with the Discovery Science Place, would you mind giving us the quick elevator pitch of what it is and what it does here in Tyler? Sure. So last year we celebrated our 25th anniversary. So we've been a part of downtown Tyler for a long time. We opened in 1993. And I would say at this point, probably the only folks that are Tylerites that may not know about us are the uh, newer folks that maybe have moved into town that live further down south and uh, haven't visited the downtown area. We're a hands-on science museum. We're dedicated to primarily children in the elementary ages, so probably K through fifth grade. But we do serve children and families older and younger than that as well. And our mission statement says igniting curiosity in young minds through fun hands-on exploration. And we always try to point out that that's young minds. doesn't really matter the age of the body that those minds are in. (laughs) That's very true. Yeah. That is so perfect. So on the Roses of Weeds walking tour, if you're connecting the focus of all these episodes, we've talked a lot about the square. We just recently talked about the library, some of those little places there. Just north from the square is the Discovery Science off of Broadway. You can't miss it because there's gorgeous murals all over the mm-hmm. side. It's a building and a, and a place that really stands out and is a, an important, vibrant part of the community of downtown. That's yeah. right. And we have a great location being right across from the um, Chamber of Commerce building as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Very good. So, uh, Chris, what's a a favorite that people like to do to enjoy the Discovery Science? What's a typical day for somebody experiencing the Discovery Science place, maybe for the first time? Sure. Well, what I love about the Science Center is that since we've been there for 25 years, now we have uh, parents and grandparents that are bringing kids uh, to visit us, and perhaps they visit us when they were kids themselves. So there are a couple of features of the museum that I I would kind of 
consider our stalwarts that have been around forever. So even if you were a child back 20 years ago and you visited us, you probably remember our cave and our two-story ship and some of those uh, iconic features that we still have. But of course, we've changed a lot over the last 25 years. So generally when a, a family comes or kiddos come to visit us with a field trip, uh, they're going to spend probably two or three hours in the museum. And we have three main galleries. Um, probably the most iconic gallery is what we call Discovery Landing. That's the one that has the cave and the ship that people will remember from maybe 20 years ago. And then we also have uh, a part called Hometown, which is like a little miniature version of Tyler. It has a carpeted flooring, but of course it's made to look like the red brick streets of Tyler. Have a little Brookshire store and a Southside bank and a vet clinic and a restaurant. And so it's uh, kind of like a little miniature version of downtown Tyler, and the kids can do some imaginary play in there. Throughout the entire museum, it's, it's all hands-on. There's virtually nothing in our museum that's not meant to be touched, played with, picked up, climbed on, explored. And then finally, we have a third gallery down the hall that's dedicated to space, NASA's new Orion project. Um, space and dinosaurs are perennial favorites, so if you're going to have anything, you have to have at least some space and dinosaurs, and we make sure to have a little bit of both. That's awesome. Yeah, that's one of the things that I really liked about the Discovery Science Place when my kids were a little bit younger uh, was taking them to DSP and not having to worry about, oh, don't touch this or don't get your fingerprints on Absolutely. this. Because when you go to a larger city and you go to even their children's museum, a lot of times there are areas where this is kind of a hands-off type place. And I love that there's that stress removed for parents, especially if you have more than one kid and trying to wrangle all of them. So it's always just a really fun place for them to get in, be interactive, and kind of not have to worry about, you know, staying clean. Yeah, and that age group, you know, that elementary age group, they, they learn best when they're playing. Mm -hmm. uh, that, that's what they're doing. Um, it's not really play as we might think about it as adults. That, that's how they learn. That's how they learn more about the world around them. That's really the basics of science. So at a young age, six years old, seven years old, certainly they... They are doing science in a way by mm -hmm. playing and exploring and investigating what happens when I drop this, what happens when I put these two things together at the magnet table. So that's really what we're trying to encourage. Um, you know, we're trying to inspire these kids to potentially go on and, and study science and STEM-related fields, but quite honestly, it doesn't matter to us if, if that's not what they do for a living later in life. As long as they have a love of those concepts and an understanding of those concepts, mm -hmm. we know that they're going to be better citizens and, and better adults, no matter what field of endeavor they happen to go into to make their paycheck. I love hearing you tie that natural play to science and learning and experimentation and how the Discovery Science Place is so built deliberately to marry those two because that's that's such a an appreciable thing you feel in the Discovery Science Place. It's all about that play and then connecting that to that learning. That's really great. The the mini Tyler is such a charming place. Mm -hmm. Whenever you take the kids through there, it's I, I love how immediately it becomes a whole society of children. Yeah. Where <laughs> yeah. Suddenly they love being the grocer and the banker and the and the doctor and and playing with other people in that and getting to chance to 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 play those roles. It's 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 an extremely charming little, yeah. little place that that mini Jack Tyler. And again, to me, it's a way to. Um, of course, that that area is more imaginative play and less kind of science based. But to me, it's another way of tying science into everyday life. Um, prior to coming to the museum, when I worked for the school district here locally, one of the biggest issues I had. I taught seventh grade science was reminding these kids that just because you walk out of my classroom door science is still there, that science doesn't end at my classroom door threshold. So it's a way in the museum to integrate science with their everyday lives. Mm -hmm. So they see that as part of their everyday life. It's not something separate in the classroom or something that only certain people do. It's something that everyone does as part of their daily interaction with other people and with the world around them. 
So our children went to the spring break camp last year in 2018. And I like that that's, you know, one of your goals and missions is because I remember walking through the grocery store with them probably two months later. And my son was like, did you know that the refrigeration <laughs> system that we use here? And I'm it's like, what are you talking about? And he was connecting all of these different points. And I'm sure that some came from school and some, but I was like, it's really cool that he's actually making those real world connections as to how things work and that, you know, refrigeration doesn't just happen. Right. It, it happens because someone methodically put something together and we thought about, you know, how these work for the betterment of our society. So I think that's really cool. I love that phrase. I mean, that to me would be an ultimate success if all these parents came back to me and said, my kid drove me crazy with, did you know? Yeah. <laughs> that, that means I've, we've done our job well. Yeah. And Veronica, you mentioned that was from the spring break camp. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, yeah, both the kids did that over spring break. It's a great resource for working parents. If you, have, say, have spring break and you have it off, that's a very memorable experience for the yeah, kids to have where they're both loving having a ton of play really having a great vacation time and then also having that learning there too mm-hmm. works up so well with when school's out and when we are still working as we were during that that time mm-hmm. uh, I, I know that spring break is cu- campus coming up uh, mm-hmm. would you mind telling us a little bit about that so if working parents out there might consider that absolutely function? so spring break of course is one of our busiest weeks of the year just overall at the museum the week of spring break, the TISD spring break, and then the weeks surrounding that, because some schools have different spring breaks, will be our by far busiest weeks of the year. We'll see 400 to 600 people a day, every day, wow. for, for approximately 10 days covering that time period. So it's a very busy time for us. Every time school is out of session, whether it's spring break, winter break, or throughout the summer, eight weeks throughout the summer, we have camps going on. So if you have kiddos at home, um, obviously if you have parents that still have to work, regardless of whether the kiddos are in school, think about these camps that you can send your kiddos to. Spring break and winter break, we do what we call day camps, where the subject changes daily. You could sign your kid up for a single day, or you could sign them up for all five days. And then during the summer, we have eight weeks of camp, and those are week-long camps where the subject stays pretty much the same throughout that entire week. So this spring break, we'll have camps as we always do. It's March 11th through the 15th. And there's a wide variety of subjects. We have subjects that range from space to art. We'll actually have a a day called the Science of Art, Kitchen Chemistry. Uh, We have a solar day, a a space day like I mentioned, and a break and build day as well. So a large variety of subjects. Uh, Your kid may be interested in just one of those, or or you may feel like uh, they would benefit from coming the whole week. Mm-hmm. Perfect. Now, in the show notes, I'll have a link to that spring break camp on your website specifically there. So if you are interested or if you know someone who might be, you can click through the show notes to have that web link. You can just click on however you're listening to this podcast out there as well. And you mentioned working parents. With those spring break camps, the camps themselves run from 10 to 4, but we understand that a lot of parents have to get to work earlier than that. They can't pick up their kiddo until a little bit later than that. So we do provide before and after kind of care activities. So they can drop their child off a little bit earlier than that, pick them up a little bit later than that for a very small additional fee. Mm-hmm. And uh, they can rest assured that they're having a good fun time. They're, they're safe there in the museum. They're being carefully watched by our, our staff and educators. And uh, they don't have to worry about, you know, leaving the kiddo at home throughout the day. Yeah, that kind of aftercare camp um, part of it until I think a, a close to a 5 p.m. pickup was some of our kids' favorite time because yeah. they got to socialize, <laughs> yeah. watch movies and yeah. stuff, too. Well, and by the end of the day, they do actually get some free time in the museum as well. So yeah. a lot of times they just love to run through free in the museum and do their own thing anyway. Yes. Mm-hmm. Very good. So, Chris, we've worked together for the past couple of years on Mini Maker Fair, and it's coming up. Can you tell us more about 
why you started Mini Maker Fair at DSP and then what can listeners that maybe have never attended Mini Maker Fair, what should they expect from this year's uh, big event? Now, the Maker Fair is probably my favorite single day event activity that we do. It, to me, the Maker Fair completely encapsulates and personifies what the museum, what the DSP is all about. Um, the problem is that there's so many Tylerites who still have not made it out to the Maker Fair and have no idea what it is. And part of that is because it's so hard to explain to someone via a podcast or, or just in, com- in conversation what the Maker Fair is. Uh, the Make Movement's been going on probably for a good 10 or 15 years, um, and the Maker Fairs prop- started popping up maybe about 10 years ago or so. And uh, Tyler actually became one of the very early adopters of Maker Fairs. And so this will be our seventh one. So we've been doing this for seven years. And a Maker Fair, again, hard to explain, but I would say it's, it's a day of creation and innovation and exploration. Uh, we will have approximately 40 what we call makers. These are just people from our community. They could be from a local school. They could be private individuals or other organizations that create things. Uh, that could be something as archaic as uh, wood turning and blacksmithing. We'll have a blacksmith there, and your child can come and learn how to do basic blacksmithing. It could be something more modern, like soldering circuit boards, or it could be something that's high-tech, like robotics, drones, uh, working with Arduinos or Raspberry Pis, something to that effect. So what I love about Maker Fair is, again, it's hands-on. Virtually every person there, every booth there, will be showing families, here's what I do, here's what I love to do, this is my passion, and this is how I create what I create. And so a lot of it is hands-on activities where the kids get to walk away with something from that experience. So by the end of the day, they'll walk away with a bag filled with little items that they have created that are tied to someone else's passion. And that's what I really love about the Maker Fair because, again, it encapsulates this whole idea of learning with hands-on fun and activity. Mm-hmm. How many people come down for the Maker Fair? Yeah, it's it's grown quite a bit. In the in the early years when we first started, we may have had uh, six or seven hundred people, which is still a large crowd. Uh, now we're we're well over twelve hundred, fourteen hundred people. Last year we saw over fifteen hundred people. Uh, the Maker Fair takes up the entirety of the museum, the entirety of our annex building, all of our parking lots, Locust Street next to us. About half of the makers will be inside, and about half will be in tented areas outside. So it's a big event. It's probably our largest single event that we run. And what I love about it is it doesn't matter. Um, for us, oftentimes, of course, if you don't have children, you wouldn't be visiting us. But this is an event where you do not have to have children to come and have a great day at this uh, particular uh, event Uh, You would enjoy it, even if you didn't bring any kiddos with you, and we'd be happy to have you. Something I I really appreciate about Tyler and about the organizations in Tyler that speak to discoverers and innovators and and, and other groups that that speak to communities like the Downtown Film Festival and other groups is that they find people with a passion for a particular thing, and they help tie those individuals with that passion to a greater community of artists or appreciators in in that particular Mm -hmm. Thing. And I think that that is so great. So if you have an interest in either developing something new or you are making something or, or doing something, an artisan thing, a, a, a passion project, I, I think you need to find one of these events because there's a whole community of people that you have these organizations that are keenly interested in plugging you into that community yeah. and helping you be a part of the greater conversation that is really fostered and I, I believe very rich here in Tyler. So Chris, are you still accepting maker applications or has that window closed? No, that window is still open. 
open. Um, the Maker Faire itself is April 27th. It's almost always the last weekend in April, so it's April 27th, and we'll continue to accept applications for makers until we basically run out of space. And that, uh, with our current configuration, probably about 40 to 45 makers. So you can go to our website, which is tylermakerfair.com. Uh, that's makerfair with an E on the end of fair.com. And you'll see a, a link there to sign up as a maker or to get more information. We have online tickets are already on sale. So you can begin to uh, plan for your visit on that day. And what I love about what you said was I, I am a, a through and through geek. I've always proclaimed myself to be a geek. I, I love that term because a, a geek is someone who's passionate about something. In, in my case, it's science and, and science education. But it doesn't matter if it's anime or if it's robotics or if it's wood turning. If you're passionate about something and you want to share that love of whatever it is that you're passionate about, you're a geek in that particular subject. So to me, that's a term of endearment. That's a term uh, that should gratify someone when you hear that. So if, if someone calls me a geek, I, I'm like, thanks. I pat myself on the back. Mm -hmm. I, I'm actually showing my true colors because that, that is what I am. Yeah. And so the Maker Faire is a collection of, of a variety of geeks, people who love something and want to share that love with someone else. And it, it's a great way for kids to be exposed to a wide variety of things uh, from, again, ancient arts of um, blacksmithing or something like that, all the way up to modern technology. Very cool. That's something so great about the Discovery Science Place is that there's such a focus on having kids imagine themselves in these careers that they can be someday. And I, I, everything the Discovery Science Place does, I see that mission kind of shine through in a way that yeah. I think really resonates with children. I hope so. That's, that's the point. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Chris, do you have anything else that you want to plug, let people know about for upcoming events? Uh, sure, I, I do. We did have just an exciting event occur just uh, recently. We are a, we're a community-based museum. Um, we are a nonprofit entity that's been in town for 25 years. We cannot survive without the community supporting us, whether that's financial support or uh, support of their time and uh, gifts. And we just recently received a gift from the Women's Fund of Smith County. They gave us a, a nice grant to purchase a large portable planetarium system. So we're going to call this Discovery Dome. We actually just got the dome in, and so my education director has been uh, giddy as a kid on Christmas morning, playing with the <laughs> dome and setting up the planetarium. But this is a system that will allow us to go out to the schools and visit the schools and bring a portable planetarium to the schools. Obviously, we can, we can teach astronomy through that, but then we can also teach other subjects. The dome allows us to uh, put in different footage and different uh, media. So it could be biology, it could be history, it could be a variety of other subjects. So we have these outreach programs. We have one called Science Safari. We have a one called Mobile STEM for middle school and high school. That's another one of the ways we're trying to reach our community. If the kids can't come to us or the students can't come to us, we're going to make it so that we can come to them. And so a gift like this from the Women's Fund allows that to happen. And that type of community support is why we've been here for 25 years and why we hope to be here for another 25. It's um, not something that uh, occurs without that individual uh, philanthropic support. Absolutely. So having the portable planetarium really makes me think of what it would be like for Miss Frizzle or someone to <laughs> exactly. show up at your school and suddenly you're inside of a cell or something. I mean, that seems so cool. And I think that having that experience is just amazing. And it's what all of, you know, the kids from my generation, you know, growing up watching cartoons in the 90s, we would have loved something like that. And so it's so cool that, you know, the community is making that happen for the kids that are in school today. That's amazing. I love right. it. Right. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I think back when I was in middle school or even elementary school 
on the days you remember are those days. I yeah. mean, you remember the field trips and you remember the cool events and you remember when a speaker or some interesting thing happened at school. Even if you had a great teacher, you don't necessarily remember the day in and day out of the lessons. So that's our job is to inspire these kids and, and hopefully they'll, uh, they'll ask for more information. You know, they'll go home and say, Mom, can, can you buy me a book about planets or can you take me to the planetarium over at TJC to learn more? That's really our goal. That's awesome. Whether you're just passing through Tyler or you've lived here all your life, if you want to experience the flavor of the city of Tyler, I, I feel like the Discovery Science Place needs to be a stop on that tour because it's a, an important part of this community here and a shining star. Well, before we before we leave, I wanted to plug something we're doing at Innovation Pipeline really quickly. Okay. We are opening up our spring Girls Who Code Club for third through fifth graders. Those are going to be Monday nights from 6 to 7 p.m. for third through fifth grade. And then we're opening a 6th through 12th grade club from 7 to 8 p.m. that same night, Monday. We provide um, pizza for the girls that register. So if you have a child that's in that age range that is interested in learning about coding, would just like to get their hands on, you know, some curriculum and some help to learn the or to learn how to actually get started what it's all about it's a really great opportunity to make friends that are interested in the same subject but also to get started in uh, creating your own program or your own app so if you have a child that's interested in that uh, go to tylerinnovators.com and click on our girls who code link perfect i i have participated with that that club in the past mm. as a facilitator and something really stands out to me about it is how much that club helps bring a memorable learning experience that's going to really stand out that, that inspires learning in that kind of like Chris had mentioned. So I, I think that is a remarkable opportunity and, and we'll make sure to link that as well. So just click through the show notes so that's something you might be interested in learning more about. All right. Well, thanks, Sam. I appreciate you taking the time to talk talk with us today. So exciting. Are you transitioning into guest again? Like uh, you yeah, have a few exactly. episodes in the past. I, I like to go between host and guest. Just, I see. You know, one day I'll have something to plug on the show. <laughs> <laughs> then I'll get to sit in the seat besides the hot seat. <laughs> well, that is so great. Thank you both so much for coming. Now, Chris, I, I I tend to ask people this sometimes. What's something special you've seen about Tyler that you see through your position? You think most people might not see or or know about, or might be surprised to hear about that you see about our community? Um, well, the first thing I would say is I'm a big believer in downtown Tyler. I, I've mm. lived in what I would consider downtown Tyler area pretty much all my life here in Tyler. So the brick streets of Tyler are what I consider home. That's what I consider Tyler. And I'm always surprised when we have such an influx of people who now live further down south. There's a lot more shopping and, and everything has kind of moved down south. And uh, I, I still run into people who, who don't know the Discovery Science Place exists, who uh, have never driven on the bumpy brick streets of Tyler and, and don't even know that part of town exists. So I always like to encourage people to, to come downtown, see what the original part of Tyler looks like, to kind of really get the flavor of the city. Um, that's always probably one of the biggest things that I tell people is uh, I love all the, the cool shopping and restaurants and everything that are down south. But to me, the heart of Tyler is still up here by the square. And, and so I'm going to continue to push that uh, idea uh, throughout uh, the future. That's Perfect. Awesome. And if you uh, are curious about what income is in those bumpy streets, you can listen back through the roses and weeds. We've kind of gone a deep dive through a oh, lot yeah. of the locations that can be accessed to those bumpy streets that, that are part of the historic 
part of, of, of Tyler right there. So if you're looking for things to do on those, first of all, the Discovery Science Place, you can't go wrong with that innovation pipeline. We're also one of those bumpy street locations. But listen to the roses and weeds to find more exciting things to do on the bumpy streets. The, the... Get in the loop, guys. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. There is life within the loop. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Well, if you've got any questions, comments, or feedback for the show, you can email us at publicrelations at techlarttexas.com or hashtag Rosenweeds in any of City of Tyler's social media, and that'll make its way back to us. And thanks so much for joining us. Thank you, guys. Thank you, guys.